0: Chapter Twenty Five of the Art of Travel. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Bobby Brill. The Art of Travel by Sir Francis Galton. Chapter Twenty Five. Guns and Rifles. General Remarks. Breech Loaders. At the present time, when the merits of different kinds of breech loader are so hotly discussed, when all that have yet been invented have some faults, and every month brings to light some new invention, it would be foolish in me to write anything about them. It would be obsolete before the great majority of my readers should have seen this book. Therefore, omitting breech loaders altogether from the present edition, I will confine myself to repeating what I have said before upon muzzle loaders with additions and alterations. Size of gun. American Bushrangers advocate a long heavy P rifle on the plea of its accurate shooting and the enormous saving in weight of ammunition when bullets of a small size are used. The objections to small board rifles are insufficiency against large game, even with conical bullets, and a tendency to become foul after a few shots. A short light rifle, whether with a large or a small bore is, I believe, utterly worthless. In the hands of a man trembling with running and with exhaustion, it shakes like a wand. The shorter the rifle, the more quickly does it oscillate, and, of course, in the same proportion, is it difficult to catch the exact moment when the sights cover the object. For the larger kind of game, such as elephants and buffaloes, experienced sportsmen mostly prefer guns of immense bore carrying round bullets that weigh a quarter of a pound. The recoil is tremendous, and would injure the shoulder if the sportsman did not use a pad against which he rests the gun. The guns must be strong, because very large charges of powder are invariably used when great power of penetration is required. African sportsmen found this out experimentally long before the idea occurred to artillerists. Sights The hind sight should be far from the eye, even though it be placed halfway down the barrel, else it becomes out of focus and indistinct. When the eye is firmly set on the object aimed at, this drawback is never compensated by the advantage of having the front and hind sights far asunder. RAMROD The guns of servants, and indeed those of their masters, should have thin, soft iron ramrods, the elasticity of these when slightly bent will retain them in the ramrod tubes both ends of the ramrod must be forged broad screw to secure the cock in common guns this screw is very liable to get loose fall out and be lost it is therefore desirable to have one or more spare screws waterproof cover should not be forgotten rust to prevent paraffin or mercurial ointment are perhaps the two best things to keep rust off iron in sea voyages or in boat shooting before embarking for a voyage it is convenient to enclose the gun in a leaden case which on arrival can be melted up into bullets it is remarkable how much better dirty guns withstand rust than clean ones olive oil to purify put a piece of lead in the glass bottle that contains the oil and exposed to the sun a quantity of cloudy matter will separate after a few days then the refined oil may be decanted the small of the stock is the weakest part of a gun it is constantly broke by falls in travel sir samuel baker justly recommends that all guns made for sport in wild countries and rough riding should have steel instead of iron from the breech socket extending far back to within six inches off the shoulder plate. The trigger guard should likewise be steel, and should be carried back to an equal distance with the above rib. The steel should be of extra thickness and screwed through to the upper piece, thus the two being connected by screws above and below. No fall could break the stock. Injuries to Guns To repair, ramrod tubes often break off, and it is a very troublesome accident when they do so i know of no contrivance to fasten them on again except by using soft solder the application of which will not in the least hurt the gun ashes at a dull red heat must be heaped over the barrel to warm it sufficiently before applying the solder if the ramrod tubes have been lost others made of tin may replace them the sight of a gun if it falls out and is lost can easily be replaced by a substitute a groove must be cut with a file across the substance of the barrel if the gun be a single one or across the mid-rib if double barreled, into this a piece of iron ivory bone horn or hard wood with a projection carved in the middle for the sight must be pushed then the metal on either side must be battered down over it with a hammer or stone to keep it firm a broken stock however much it may be smashed can be well mended by rawhide see hides blacksmith's work and carpentering are seldom sufficient for the purpose it is within the power of a rough workman to make a gunstock but it is a work of great labor a ramrod may be replaced by cutting a stick from a tree straightening it in the fire and then seasoning it see green wood guns to hang up to carry and to clean hanging guns to a wall fix a loop of leather for the muzzle and a strap and buckle for the stock with a piece of sheepskin or canvas nailed so as to hang over it as in figure one a more complete way is to sew a long pocket with a flap to it which is tied up onto a stick or bar as in figure two the gun has simply to be lifted out and in the pocket must be made baggy at the part which corresponds to the cocks of the gun carrying guns on a journey look at the gun but never let the gun look at you or at your companions is a golden rule for among the chances of death to which a traveller is exposed that of being shot by an attendants gun going off accidentally ranks high servants should carry their guns with the cock down on a piece of rag that covers the cap take it all in all it is the best plan for them a sportsman will find great convenience in having a third nick cut in the tumbler of his lock, so as to give an additional low half-cock, at which the cock just clears the nipple. It will prevent the cap from falling off or receiving a blow. I have long used this plan, and find no objections to it. Many pistols are furnished with this contrivance. Careless gun sometimes make this catch so low that when the cock is lifted a little back from it, and let go it strikes the cap by reason of the elasticity of its metal and lets off the gun the traveller should be aware of this fault of workmanship as this book may fall into the hands of persons ignorant of the danger of carrying a gun with the cock down on the nipple to which cause i find that three fourths of gun accidents are owing having once kept a list of those that were reported in the newspapers i will remark that when the cock is down a heavy blow on its back nay even the jar caused by the gun falling on the ground will cause the cap to explode again if the cock catch against the dress or against a twig it is liable to be lifted when on being released it will snap down upon the cap when a gun is at half cock the first of these accidents obviously cannot occur and as to the second if the cock be pulled back and let drop it falls not down upon the cap, but to half-cock again, except only in the case where the trigger is also pressed back. The objections to carrying a gun at half-cock are that careless people occasionally leave it on full cock without perceiving the difference, and that there is a probability of weakening the mainspring if day after day it be kept on the strain. Carrying Guns When Stalking Game In creeping after game, the gun is always troublesome. There is no better plan than pushing it as far as the arm can reach, then creeping up to it, and again pushing it forwards, carrying guns on horseback. Allow me very strongly to recommend a trial of the following plan, even for a shooting pony in Scotland it is the invention of the Namaquas, and i and all my party in south africa used it for a year and a half and many persons have adopted the plan in england since i first published a description of it sew a bag of canvas leather or hide of such a size as to admit the butt of the gun pretty freely the straps that support the bag buckle through a ring in the pommel the thongs by which the slope of the bag is adjusted are fastened round the girth below the exact adjustment may not be hit upon by an unpractised person for some time but when they are once ascertained the thongs need never be shifted the gun is perfectly safe it never comes below the armpit even in taking a crop leap it is pulled out in an instant by bringing the elbow forwards in front of the gun and then backwards pressing it against the side By this manner, the gun is thrown to the outside of the arm. Then, lowering the hand, catch the gun as near the trigger guard as you can, and lift it out of the bag. It is a bungling way to take out the gun whilst its barrel lies between the arm and the body. Any sized gun can be carried in this fashion, and it offers no obstacle to mounting or dismounting i hear that some sportsmen who were probably unacquainted with this method have used a bag or pocket of stiff leather attached to the side of the saddle just behind the right leg into this when tired of carrying the gun they push the butt it is said to lie there securely and to give no trouble the barrel passes forward under the right arm and the muzzle is in front of the rider the french dragoons carry a gun in a way that is convenient for military purposes because it does not interfere with the immense housing that cavalry soldiers require but it is not so handy it does not lie so freely as the above nor is it as well suited to a traveller or a sportsman the gun is placed but downwards as in the namaqua method and leans backwards in the same way but the under side of the gun instead of being backwards or towards the horse's tail is towards his head the butt lies in a shallow bucket secured by two straps fixed to the front of the saddle another strap leading from the pommel and passing over the right thigh of the reader is hitched round the barrel of the gun and has to be unbuckled and cast off when the gun is taken out all ways of carrying the gun with its muzzle downwards are very objectionable since the jolting tends to dislodge the charge if it be considerably dislodged the gun will probably burst on being fired also a very little shaking when the muzzle is downwards will shake the powder out of the nipple and therefore a gun so carried will constantly misfire at night to dispose of guns a gun is a very awkward thing to dispose of at night it has occurred more than once that a native servant has crept up drawn away the gun of his sleeping master and shot him dead the following appears to me an excellent plan when getting sleepy you return your rifle between your legs roll over and go to sleep some people think this is a queer place for a rifle but on the contrary it is the position of all others where utility and comfort are most combined the butt rests on the arm and serves as a pillow for the head the muzzle points between the knees and the arms encircle the lock and breech so that you have a smooth pillow and are always prepared to start up armed at a moment's notice parkin's Abyssina the longer the gun the more secure is the sleeper from accident the sketch is not quite accurate for in practice the weight of the gun is never allowed to rest so entirely on the arm as it is here represented if it do so the arm would soon be numbed the gun-stock may be a little bolstered up if desired to avoid any troublesome pressure on the arm cleaning guns a bit of rags does as well as tow and can be used over and over again A top furnished with a sponge to screw to the cleaning rod is convenient. A leaded barrel must be cleaned with fine sand. Hawker, Quicksilver, if it be at hand, will dispose out the lead at once. End of chapter 25. Recording by Bobby Brill. www.englishnarration.com